I'm not gonna lie to you. I, th I figure that boxing took a big step forward. We're back here on Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. You can tweet me at at Rongholt Sports. That's R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. You can find this podcast on Anchor, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. We even got picked up by Spotify, so we're pretty excited. But I'm excited for this, this guest that I brought on here. I've known him since uh, my time in Chicago when I was at the Illinois Media School. And we have, been, we have just stayed friends uh, throughout this time. And he was at the, the Wilder Fury 2 fight. He was doing international commentary for it. He is also a full-time ring announcer. He does play-by-play. -play. He is He's all over the place when it comes to boxing and MMA. And he told me something the last time he was on this podcast. He said, I promise you, Jake, this sport is going to take a huge step forward. And I figure with what I saw on Saturday night, I believe he is correct. He is Ray Flores, full-time boxing ring announcer and does play-by-play. -play. You can tweet him at, at SBR Flores. And he now joins us here on the line. Ray, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, how did Fury win this fight? Well, Jake, it's always a pleasure to join you, my man. Um, the fact of how Tyson Fury won the fight, well, he had to walk into the lion's den and faced the lion face-to-face, -face, and he did so. Uh, Tyson Fury went in there. He walked on Deontay Wilder. He made him fight off his back foot. He threw combinations. He battered Deontay Wilder, and he picked up the victory in impressive fashion that I think is one of the top 20 all-time greatest heavyweight performances that we've ever witnessed in history. Why do you believe this is top 20? Because... Deontay Wilder was knocking everybody out. He had the highest knockout percentage in heavyweight history. And for Tyson Fury, who isn't known necessarily as a knockout artist, to come out and, you know, the, the whole mindset when you fight Deontay Wilder, stay on the outside, make him miss, try to pile up a, a victory by a decision. Tyson Fury went right after Deontay Wilder, was in his face, in his chest, imposed his will on Wilder, something that we've never seen before. Deontay Wilder was the baddest man on the planet, and my goodness, did Tyson Fury go out there and prove that he is now the new kingpin of the heavyweight division. You were ringside during this. When did you start to see the faults in Wilder's performance? I would have to say probably midway through the second round when... Um, you know, Tyson Fury was walking down Deontay Wilder and chasing him around the ring, and Deontay Wilder put his right arm on the top rope and took a big, deep breath. And at that point, I noticed, I'm like, oh, boy, Wilder is in significant trouble. Like, this is not good for the champion. And for Fury, he, gained, he kept gaining confidence as the fight moved on in the third round, he saw the knockdown after he hit Deontay Wilder in the ear. And what I know that Wilder dismissed the fact that he had a cracked eardrum, but I think something was wrong with his ear after that shot to the ear. And his fury dominated him. I mean, a, a pure dominant performance is something that I don't think anybody could have seen from Tyson Fury. People thought, again, he could have, if his way to win was going to be by decision, making Wilder miss being elusive, evading the power shots. But Fury went out there and just threw caution to the wind, and he, from the outset, started pounding away on Deontay Wilder. 
Ray, what does a ruptured eardrum do to a boxer in the ring? What it does is it affects your equilibrium. So when your equilibrium is off, that means your balance, you don't have good balance. You don't have good balance, that affects your legs. Deontay Wilde, everyone looks at the right hand and, you know, how big of a right hand he is, and that's the absolute truth. But how does he get the power for that right hand? He gets it from his legs, setting his legs, setting his base, driving from the bottom up, generating that power, and then having it come out with the right hand. When you're unable and you don't have steady legs and your legs are not underneath you, there goes a lot of that power. And Fury negated the power of Deontay Wilder based on the fact that he went ahead and he disrupted the balance of Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I saw that around the second round. I was kind of shocked because of the way, like the first round, it was both boxers were just like getting used to each other. Okay, how are they, they going to approach this? The second round, it felt like, all right, somebody's going to wake up. Somebody's going to hit hit somebody, and then it's going to feel like, all right, now the momentum just shifted over to this boxer. I saw a right overhand hook that connected into Wilder's right side of his face, and I sat there and went, that might be trouble because it looked like for a moment there he kind of shrugged it off and then kind of got a little dizzy. That, that's just something that I observed. Uh, but there was also a report that came out. Wilder talked about how his costume weighed 40 pounds, was the reason for his loss. How much validity do you give Wilder on that? Look, I, I'm not going to say, I, I think you have to give credit to Tyson Fury for what he was able to do. Agreed. However, I think that it was poor planning on the behalf of Wilder to have a suit of 40 pounds, you know, that he has. And I'll tell you why, Jake. Mm -hmm. Being around prize fights, they tell you in the locker room as a prize fighter, they're like, all right, you know, you have 20 minutes before the ring walk. You know, the stage managers will tell you this. Fighter relations managers from the television network will tell you 20 minutes before you walk. Then they'll come over and say 10 minutes before you walk. At that point, you start to put on your your robe or your your ring costume, and you're you're essentially you have that on for about ten minutes before you walk. Then the ring walk can last upwards up to ten minutes. So that's twenty minutes potentially that Deontay Wilder was walking around, moving, trying to keep loose with forty pounds on him. That's not going to benefit you. When you have a guy in Tyson Fury who weighed over 270 pounds, who was in very good shape, and who also was fighting the fight of his life, those factors are not good going against you. It's very hard to be able to defeat a prime Tyson Fury when you have all those things going against you. Couple that with the messed up eardrum, it just was a recipe for disaster. Which is more to blame, the ruptured eardrum or the costume? I think it's more so the ear issue. And I don't even know, Jake, if it truly was a ruptured eardrum, but the ear issue, I think, was a significant factor because after that punch, Deontay Wilder's legs never seemed to be fully underneath him at any point during the fight. And that's the absolute truth. And it was at that point, I was like, this is bad, bad news. The fact that Wilder lasted until the 7th, I think, just goes to show you the kind of warrior, the kind of champion, the kind of heart, the kind of desire, the kind of cojones that he has. 
But in all reality, Jake, Tyson Fury could have stopped this fight in the fourth or fifth round, but Wilder is just so much of an animal and a world-class fighter and was not going to go away. And I know Wilder's upset because Mark Brilliant threw in the towel, but at the end of the day, Fury, it was just his night. He's Ray Flores, uh, full-time boxing ring announcer and play-by-play. You can tweet him at at SBR. Flores, joining us here on Turning Points, where we go both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. You can tweet me at at Rongholt Sports, R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. Uh, what does Fury's TKO victory do for boxing in the future? Well, it goes to show you that we have a new kingpin in the heavyweight division. We have a, <laughs> a very uh, colorful world champion. We have a guy who has dealt with his fair share of depression and substance abuse. And Tyson Fury, much like Deontay Wilder, I think are wonderful examples of if you believe in yourself and you work hard and you and you sort of change your life around, that you can get back to the mountaintop. And Tyson Fury got back to the mountaintop in emphatic fashion on Saturday night with his victory. But I think Fury's win is, um, you know, along with Deontay Wilder's performance, both men are inspirations to fight fans around the world because both men have had to deal with their fair share of setbacks in their lives. And did they allow the setbacks to get the better of them? The answer is no, which is why they went ahead and their fight generated the highest gate in heavyweight history at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Yeah, the last one, the last one, the Wilder Fury won. It only had 325,000 orders on pay-per-view. This one had over 800,000 to 825,000. That was on uh, JR Pen- that was on jrpen.com uh, for that credit. So, I think this was a monumental success for boxing going forward. There was one thing that really got on my nerves though, and you saw it too because you're very vocal about this. Why did the national media Go with this. Go with this headline that Wilder lost instead of Fury winning it. I I don't believe that because I, I it drives me nuts, Jake. As you see on my Twitter and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. De, you know Deontay Wilder lost to the better man that night, and that's okay. You know it it happens in boxing. It happens in sports. I mentioned this analogy. When the New England Patriots, when they were undefeated and they lost to the New York Giants. In the Super Bowl years ago, did people say, oh, Tom Brady sucks. The New England Patriots aren't as good as we thought they were. No, we all said that the New England Patriots lost to a better football team that night. That the Giants played the game of their lives and the Patriots just were unable to defeat a better football team. But no one has discredited the greatness and the Hall of Fame credentials of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and what the New England Patriots have done. So on the contrary, with this fight, when Fury defeated Wilder, people started coming out for some ungodly reason, Jake. And they were saying, oh, well, Wilder was limited. He isn't as good as we thought he was. He beat up on uh, B-minus, C-plus fighters. That's not the case. He was undefeated and was the heavyweight champion of the world for half a decade, he made 10 successful title defenses of his WBC crown. I don't care who it is. You've got to give credit to Wilder for what he's done. But with that being said, 
you have to give even greater credit to Tyson Fury for the fact that he beat the man. You know, Rick Flair said it. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man. There you go. Tyson Fury <laughs> beat the man on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, right. And the thing is, too, everybody keeps forgetting about what happened in the first fight. That was a controversial draw between these two fighters. So I'm not surprised that Fury came out like this. What's the likelihood of a third fight? Very likely, Jake. Deontay Wilder has already expressed interest that he wants a third fight. You know, Bob Arum has stated that it needs to happen by the end of July, but there could be factors to push it to September. I think a third fight would be the most compelling of the three, and I'll tell you why. You look at the first fight, Wilder knocked on Fury twice. Could have very well finished him off. It was very, very close. You know, it could have gone Deontay Wilder's way in that first fight. Fury went out and dominated the second fight. Look, we haven't had a trilogy in the heavyweight division that was this significant on, since dating back to when Riddick Bull fought Evander Holyfield. And those guys pushed each other to the absolute brink and provided fight fans around the world for so many memorable battles. This third fight to me, Jake, is going to be the most intriguing, compelling, unique because now the era of invincibility is now gone when it comes to Deontay Wilder. I've known Deontay Wilder for a long, long time, and I'll tell you this. This loss is driving the man nuts. He is a world-class fighter. He knows that people are doubting him, and he's going to go back to the drawing board and come on and be even better than what he was before. Deontay Wilder was a scary, scary man when that bell rang before this fight, before Fury went out and did what he did. So who's going to make the adjustments? Who is going to come out better? I think, Jake, we see both men even better than what we have seen in their entire career. I expect the best performance from Tyson Fury. I expect the best performance from Deontay Wilder. And at the end of the day, let the bell ring and let the best man win. Because you know who is going to win, Jake? the fight fans around the world. I don't want to hear that people are saying, oh, the second fight was so decisive, this and that. Well, here's my statement to all of you. If you are that <laughs> negative and that dismissive of a guy who loses for the first time in his professional career and think that it's going to be a certain way, then do not watch. Because the world will once again be watching the two best heavyweights in the world go into battle, risking everything for their legacy and their history. The third fight is going to be so damn good, Jake. I cannot wait. I hope it happens <laughs> later July, early August. Why? So we can get some rest. That was a long wait, my man. In Vegas, I had a blast, but I finally got some hours of sleep now. I'm you know, finally back to my normal self. But man, oh man, when that fight gets announced and we get to Las Vegas, because I can't see it going anywhere but Las Vegas, <laughs> get ready to watch something very special because it is going to be a moment that you want to say, as not just a boxing fan, but as a sports fan, you want to say, I watched Wilder Fury 3 and I saw something so special. 
He's Ray Flores, full-time boxing ring announcer and play-by-play. Joining us here on Turning Points, where we go both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. What fight is going to happen first? Fury versus Wilder 3 or Fury versus Joshua for the WBC title? I can't see. I think Wilder Fury 3 happens, and here's why, Jake. Okay. You know, when, when Anthony Joshua lost to Andy Ruiz, were people coming out and saying, oh, Anthony Joshua should aside so Andy Ruiz can fight Deontay Wilder and they can have unification. <laughs> Was that ever said, to my knowledge? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Everyone said, oh, AJ deserves a rematch. AJ this, AJ that. And AJ's a world-class fighter and is a world champion and deserves the credit that he does. But these same people... We're not talking about A.J. having his brain scrambled by Andy Ruiz the first time. They were saying, oh, A.J. needs the rematch, and A.J. this, and A.J. that. No one was saying, hey, how about we get Deontay Wilder, Andy Ruiz, and we have a unification fight, and then Anthony Joshua can go and fight the winner. Did, did people say that? I mean, I, I have a pretty good memory, Jake. Uh, no, they didn't. So why should Deontay Wilder wait and, and sit on the sidelines so they can have this unification fight? Wilder was the champion, per the contract, the loser had the right to a rematch. Wilder's exercising that right. Leave him alone. That's his right. That's what was agreed upon on both sides. Why do these hipster boxing fans or these hipster boxing media want to play matchmaker? There's a reason why all of you are not matchmakers. Because you're stupid. (laughs) Keep going, Ray. You're on fire. I mean... Look, it, 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 just, it, it drives me nuts, Jim. Well, Ray, one law, Ray, you went after Teddy law. Atlas. You went oh, after Teddy, Teddy Atlas. Atlas. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay, now I'm listening here. What was this one all about? Okay, so Teddy Atlas picked Deontay Wilder to win the fight. Okay. You know, the second fight. He predicted him to win. Then, like a moron, he comes <laughs> out and says, oh, Wilder during the fight. Wilder is limited. Where's that one punch eraser? This and that. I am sick and tired of Teddy Atlas ripping down the sport that we all love. The sport that has made him millions of dollars. The sport that has provided him a living. I agree with criticizing people. That's a part of life. But I'm sick and tired Teddy Atlas getting on his high horse and cutting down the younger generation and these younger fighters. He picked Wilder to win by knockout. And now he's saying, oh, he's so limited. He's this, he's that. How about saying that Tyson Fury is just the better man? Because when you criticize a fighter in a defeat, you are not only ripping down a man who is lost, but you're discrediting the win of the champion now. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say that, oh, Fury exposed all these things. I'm saying that Fury fought the fight of his life and pounded Deontay Wilder, and that just makes his performance that much more special. That's what it says to me, Jake. Instead of saying, Wilder was limited. Oh, he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Oh, really? <laughs> to the fight you were saying he's the baddest man on the planet he's this he's that and you know what chick i'm going to continue to stick by that moniker that deontay wilder is one of the most lethal finishers 
that boxing has ever seen. I still think Deontay Wilder will once again claim a world championship sooner than later. I'm not going to say and pound and say, oh, Deontay Wilder's this or he's that. He just got beat by a better man. Instead of us, and this is just kind of going on a grander scope of things, Jake, instead of us as a society ripping down people when they fail and burying them and making them feel so bad, we need to start uplifting people and uplifting you know, athletes and stuff, a loss many times when you have a stumble or you don't get what you want or you lose, you learn more from a loss than what you do from a victory. And that's the honest truth. So I think Deontay Wilder is truly going to look inside himself and we are going to see the best Deontay Wilder heading into this third fight because I know he's doing some soul-searching and he's looking at what happened, what he did wrong. And I think we're going to get such a, a even better Deontay Wilder. But with that said, Tyson Fury knows that he's going to be dealing with the best version of Deontay Wilder. So Tyson Fury is going to have to raise his performance once again. That, to me, Jake, signals for a recipe for something that you do not want to miss. He's Ray Flores, full-time boxing ring announcer and play-by-play, joining us here on Turning Points, where you can tweet and you can tweet him at, at SBR Flores, or you can tweet me at, at Rongholt Sports, R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. Final uh, question, Ray. There's one thing that you and me have in common. It's not the Packers and the Bears. It's our Chicago Bulls. And right now yes. there was a report coming out that Gar Foreman is on his way out of town pretty soon. What word do you have for the Bulls' future if Gar Foreman is fired? Uh, is Pax joining him on the unemployment line? Probably not. Be- because John Pax <laughs> is the problem. Here we go. I look, I look at Gar Foreman, and I've said this several times. Gar Foreman is a puppet to John Paxson. What is the point of getting rid of Gar Foreman when you have John Paxson who's still running things within the Bulls organization? I am tired as a Bulls fan, you and I both, along with the rest of the fans there, of mediocrity, (sighs) of being subpar. How many rebuilding stages is this for the franchise? Four or five? I think that's nine now. John Something ridiculous. <laughs> John Paxson is still, he has gotten and led this team to one, one Eastern Conference Finals appearance since the Jordan days. One. He hasn't even won an NBA title. They haven't made it to the NBA Finals. When you're mediocre, at some point, you have to look at there are wins and there are losses. And most times and not with John Paxson, this team has failed. So when you fail, you need to have a change of scenery. And I don't know why the Reinsdorfs are so loyal to a guy who has been average at best. The days of being average are over. The days of seeing Jim Boylan not know what the hell he's doing (laughs) are over. The days of limiting our young potential stars like Levine, like Otto Porter, 
like all these other younger guys, Arkanen. over because the United Center is going to start to become a ghost town. And listen to me, Bulls fans, as I tell you this. Let's go. You want the organization to change? You want Paxson gone? I don't really have a big problem with Gar Foreman. I got a problem with John Paxson because Paxson is the one who is who thinks he knows it all, who thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I've never been in an NBA front office. But I'll tell you this. When you aren't winning and you aren't getting results, then I'm going to tell you, yeah, you suck at your job. You're not good at your job. And you got to go too. Because I'm tired of watching my team fail and come up short with draft picks and free agents. You might as well call us the Topeka, Kansas, Chicago Bulls. Because they are managing this team like a small market. This is the third biggest city in America. In my opinion, the greatest city on God's green earth. Because damn, I love Chicago with every bit of my body. Oh, I know you do. My favorite basketball team constantly suck and be the butts of jokes all over the country wherever <laughs> I go. It pisses me off, Jake. And you know why it pisses me off? Because John Paxson is driving this team into the ground. So I don't care if you get Gar Foreman. I don't care if you bring Phil Jackson back to coast the Bulls. As long as John Paxson is in that front office, this team will go nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Paxson's got to go because until then, the team will continue to toil in the toilet. And that's exactly why we bring on guys like Ray Flores, because he tells the truth about the Chicago Bulls, because that's the way I am. I had Chris Krause on of uh, HoopsRumors.com about a couple weeks ago, and we talked about this. He always keeps trying to tell me, be optimistic for the future. And I told him, point blank, I said, I will not be optimistic for the future until I see Gar Foreman and John Paxson out on their tails get their tails between their legs out the door and out of Chicago. That's what I want. And until that happens, I'm not going to have any hope. I'm just, I'm just not, it's not like the NFL. The NBA doesn't have parody like the NHL and the NFL do. And so I'm not really counting it down until I see Foreman and Paxson both out on there. Well, I'll use another word later. Yeah, well, well, they're going to get a nice little severance package, Jake, so I don't feel too bad for them <laughs> no, by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, look, go ahead, get on the unemployment line, enjoy your beautiful house, et cetera, et cetera. You know, for John Paxson, I'll, I'll say this about him. Thank you for what you did as a player, as a front office member. You have been garbage. Let me spell it out for you. G-A-R-B-A-G-E. Garbage. That is the reign of John Paxson and his little buddy, the little puppet, Gar Foreman. And you can see Ray Flores uh, doing the spelling bee in the future. No, I'm kidding. All right. (laughs) Ray Flores, full-time boxing ring announcer and play-by-play. He did the international commentary for the Fury Wilder 2 fight. And as always, Ray, you did a great job. I'm not going to lie to you. I missed you behind the mic. I'm not. Tessator was way too all over the place, and he was using every single cliche in the book. I just want a guy who tells it like it is, lets the sport breathe, let the event happen and unravel, and you always do that, my man, and keep doing what you're doing. So thank you. 
Thank you, brother. Keep up the great work, my man. I enjoy always, you know, being on your podcast. Look forward to joining you again real soon, man. Have a great one. All right. All right. Take care, Ray. That was Ray Flores. Take care, man. Full-time boxing ring announcer and play-by-play. You can tweet him at, at SBR Flores. Man, he always brings it. I, this is one thing I love about my podcast, both sides of the story, is that I get people on that do that. I don't want hot takes, okay? That's what I don't want. I want people to be able to tell me both sides. So when I ask a question about while they're blaming the costume, the immediate reaction was, oh, this is silly. Oh, this is embarrassing. But there was some validity to why the costume was an issue for him. And you just heard that here on Turning Points. All right, when we come back, we're going to get away from the sports world for a little bit. Because we're going to do a long, overdue version of Cinematic Escape. A couple of movies that I saw. I've seen some documentaries. I've been on a documentary uh, binge lately, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Plus, we're going to get into our first segment of the Cinematic Escape, which we are going to go back in time. And we're going to do a nostalgic comparison between two action movies, one that got it right, one that got it wrong. That's all coming up next on the the Turning Points Podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Ronholt, and you can find it right here on iTunes.